Hey, welcome to week number three in our series called Plot Twist. As we're journeying along with Joseph in the Old Testament, in the book of Joseph, and we're really recognizing that that God can use not only the good things in our life, but also the bad, the unexpected, the, the surprises to bring about his plan and purpose that he always had for each and every one of us. So this is week number three. Before we jump in, though, I, I do want to mention, uh, you know, we're, we're coming off of a really pretty huge week. Last Saturday, we had our men's breakfast. A hundred plus guys came out for that. And Pastor Yuri Semenyuk and his wife, Oksana, were with us last weekend. Unfortunately, because of snow, uh, we had to cancel our in-person services. But about 100 guys, like I said, heard him speak uh, at the men's breakfast, share an incredibly inspiring sp- story about stupid boldness, as, as he said, the importance of just being bold for Jesus and what God did in his life in one circumstance. Uh, and, and, and I did want to share with you, we as a Valley family were able to give a significantly large uh, uh, amount of money to help support the work there. You saw on our online campus last week, we showed a special video that they put together for us just to kind of give everyone an idea of what's happening there. Amazing uh, what Tiraspol Church, our sister church, is doing there in Transnistria. And so we were able to give them a very significant financial uh, gift, and, and that is uh, $13,000 that we were able to give to them. And, and that's because of your ongoing generosity, Valley Family. You're making a difference. Think about it. We didn't have in-person services. This was not a special offering. This is just because of your ongoing generosity we were able to do that. And, and that's a big number in American dollars, but it's even bigger in rubles, the exchange rate. Think about this, 208000 rubles. That's what that amounts to, 13,000 American dollars, the exchange rate. 208,000 rubles. It's going to go a long, long way to just help the continued ministry as they really expand even more uh, because they have such a need for children in their school of life. They have to make more and more room, more space available, uh, literally put another addition on their their building uh, that they just really finished. And so that's because of you, Valley Family. You're making an impact not only in our community but around the world, no question about it. And so Pastor Yuri uh, and Oksana just wanted me to thank Thank you from the bottom of their heart uh, for the difference that you're making, Valley Family, uh, in our sister church. So I want to invite you back next week, uh, week number four in our series. We're going to be talking about plot twists and forgiveness. And boy, Joseph had to forgive an awful lot, even his siblings, his family that really abused him uh, in every way, physical, you know, emotional, verbal, all, all of this, uh, and, and how God just brought that all around again and, and made something beautiful out of just really uh, heartbreaking, harsh time that Joseph had gone through. So let's jump in with the story of Joseph right where we left off last week, and that is Joseph's in prison. And in Genesis chapter 39, verse 20, the latter part of that verse, I love this, it's so powerful, where we jump right in now. And that is, is, the Bible says, but while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him, and he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Now think about that for just a minute. Uh, it would be easy for Joseph to think God had forgotten him. But the reality was God was with him even in prison, as we learned last week, falsely accused of something he did not do. He was completely innocent, but he was in prison. And God was still with him. 
See, the reality is you don't get to avoid pits and prisons. Uh, you know, that's part of life. It's not easier because we're a follower of Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean we just go tiptoeing through the tulips. There's still going to be hard times. There's still going to be painful times and difficulty. But the reality is God is still with us just like God was still with Joseph. In fact, that's one of the last things that Jesus said before he, after his resurrection, before he returned to our Heavenly Father. He made that promise in Matthew 28. He said, surely I am with you to the end of the age, that he'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us. And so it's just so important that we realize that he is with us, that, that no matter if you find yourself in a prison or a pit or, or some unfortunate circumstance or situation, God is still with you. No matter what that situation looks like, God is with you and God is with me as well. And so he's in the prison and he actually meets a couple of guys that it seems like, oh, what's the big deal with these fellas? But, but the reality is in those ancient days, they held two really critical places in Pharaoh's court. One was the cupbearer and the other one was a baker. And you say, like, what's the big deal? Well, a lot of times kings, pharaohs, they were actually poisoned. That's how they kind of removed one, you know, conspiracy, conspire against them, remove one leader and bring in another. And so the cupbearer, literally, before Pharaoh would drink anything, he would actually drink out of the Pharaoh's cup. If he dropped dead, he had a short career, but it saved the Pharaoh's life. The same thing with the baker. Again, oftentimes they would poison these leaders, and so the baker was very trusted. The cupbearer, these are very elevated, important positions in Pharaoh's court and, and had a lot of influence. For one reason or another, it doesn't say why, they both found themselves in prison, and, and they actually have dreams. Now watch this, picking up in Genesis chapter 40, beginning in verse 1, it says, Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king, that's Pharaoh, of the king of Egypt, offended their master, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. And it goes on and says, the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph and he attended to him, so he's actually responsible for them. And after they'd been in custody for some time, each of the two, two men, the cupbearer and the baker, the king of Egypt, who were being held prison, in prison, had a dream the same night. Both of these guys have a dream on the same evening. And each dream had a meaning of its own. And when Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. Now let's just stop right there for a minute. Joseph, when we started this story, look at him, he was 17 years old. He was so full of himself. He was arrogant. He, he, he had a privileged mindset. You know, he, he told you know, his, his brothers, you're going to bow down to me one day. God gave me a dream and all. Do you see the difference that's already the character that's being formed in Joseph? Now he's, he's not just all about himself. He's even aware of his surroundings. He, he's sensitive to those around him. A big sign of maturity. His character's been formed that he walks in, he sees the cupbearer, and he sees the head baker, and he realizes they're, they're dejected, and he asks them, what's wrong? What's happening? You see how God's forming his character even in the process of these difficulties that he himself is experiencing. 
And so he saw that they were dejected. And in verse seven, so he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, why do you look so sad today? Boy, that's a, that's a big indication of someone who's got maturity is they're aware of the people around them, the world around them, the people, the circumstances. It's not just about them. He, he says, why do you look so sad today? And then they, they say, we both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. And then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God. Tell me your dreams. Think about that for just a minute. Joseph, he's been in a pit, sold into slavery, falsely accused of rape. Now he's in prison. And instead of it all being about him, he makes this incredible statement when the cupbearer and the baker say, we both had dreams. He he says, interpretations, that belongs to God. He sees God's hand at work even in someone else's life, not only his own. It's powerful, this perspective. Plot twist, and yet Joseph sees the situation through a very different lens than I think maybe I would if I was in prison or maybe you would if you were imprisoned for the rest of your life for a crime you didn't commit. He sees it through the lens of God. God is the one. Interpretations belong to God. And so, real simple message today. I want to share with you three points to navigate plot twists in your life. Three points that, that when you find yourself maybe in a pit or maybe in prison that, that, that will help us to just understand, look through a different lens, the lens of God, that God is still working even though it looks like he may not be. That he, he's moving the pieces on the board, if you will, to bring about his perfect plan and his perfect purpose in your life and in my life. Here's the first point to navigate a plot twist in your life. Your circumstances must be interpreted through God's lens, not your limited perspective. At best, you and I are just seeing limited what's really happening. We're not seeing the big picture. And so your circumstances, we must interpret them through God's lens, not our limited perspective. Uh, Let me give you an example. You know, if you're married... One of the things that you have got to learn, every person who's married has to learn, if they're going to have a healthy and a happy marriage, you've got to learn how to put yourself in your spouse's shoes, to see things from your spouse's perspective. If you don't do that, you're going to have nothing but, but you know, just problems and arguing and conflict constantly in marriage. I, I know, you know Susie and I have uh, been married over 32 years. This summer will be 33 years Goodness, that sounds like a long time, doesn't it? And, and, uh, and one of the things that I try, I try as best I can to speak female, to understand Susie. You'd think I'd be real good at it since we had three daughters, and basically I lived in a girl's dorm for like 20 years, you know, with, with all the ladies. But, but I, I, I'm not as good as I probably should be. There, there's still some times that, that Susie will say something to me, and, and I won't understand it because I speak male. And she speaks female. Like, like when, when maybe she has a doctor's appointment or something like that. And, and I'll say, uh, would you like me to come with you? And she's like, no, that's okay. And, and real easy, I'm like, okay, no big deal. I'll just stay home, watch the ball game. Or, or something like that. When really, 
no, it's okay, you don't have to, means, yeah, it would be great, Greg, if you did. And, and I've learned that the hard, like, like learn what she's really saying, the, the, what's really behind the words. For, for us as men, the reality is sometimes, you know, maybe, uh, maybe the ladies, you've experienced this with your husband before, Susie, oftentimes she'll come up to me, you know, we'll be talking, and she'll be like, hey, what are you thinking about? And I'm like, nothing. That's actually a real thing for most men, nothing. And it's, it's a great place to mentally be, where you're lit, we have a nothing box. Men, we tend to compartmentalize all of our thoughts, all of our life and everything like that, and the best place, the best compartment to ever go to is the nothing box. Whereas like there's literally, I think probably, there's like no brain activity going on whatsoever. That's just like, ah. Oh. And I know for my wife, Susie, she doesn't necessarily understand. Sometimes I just need to think about nothing. And, and, and if we don't try to understand one another, if we don't try to understand a different perspective or a different lens that our spouse has on life and situations, there's going to be ongoing problems. How much more in terms of God? That, that how often do we try taking God's perspective into view rather than our own of our life? Oftentimes the reality is that we want God to think the way that we do. We, we think that God's just like us, but the reality is he's very, very different. Look at what the prophet Isaiah says, speaking on behalf of God. Isaiah 55 verse 8 says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. He, he's like, we don't think the same. There's no way that you're going to really understand me just intuitively. In fact, it goes on in the next verse, Isaiah 55, 9, and it says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. They're so much higher. And so we can't just assume that we know what God just intuitively is thinking or even what he's doing. We've got to work at that. One of the main ways that we work at that is reading his word. These are his thoughts. And they help us to understand. They help us to understand even reading through and studying and thinking about the life of Joseph that when there's plot twists in our life, you know we're not the only one. In fact, Joseph wasn't the only one in the Bible either. And in fact, almost everyone that God used in a mighty way had some major plot twists in their life. And so that's why it's so important. I love what 2 Corinthians says in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians 4, 18, it says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So we have to fix our eyes on a place that there's a whole lot more going on than just our limited point of view. God is working it all out. And so we have to fix on what's unseen. We have to work, we have to strive really to try to see things from God's perspective and understand and trust he is still in control, even though you might find yourself falsely accused in prison or in a pit, just like Joseph did. And so when we experience plot twists in our life, God is actually doing something in our life, and maybe it's so big that we just can't see it. We just don't recognize it. Let me put it this way. God is much more interested in developing our, developing our character than developing our comfort. God is much more interested in developing your character than your comfort. He's much more interested in developing my character 
than my comfort. He was much more interested in developing Joseph's character than Joseph just having a real comfortable life. Which kind of brings me back to our definition of plot twist to begin with that we gave week one. What is the plot twist? A plot twist is a change in our plans that God uses to do what? Develop our character and wisdom so we live the life he created us for. And that doesn't happen naturally. A lot of times it's it's what happens in the difficulties of life. The the crisis, the, the, the emergency, the surprise that we find out what's really in our hearts. And so here's the second way that we can kind of navigate these plot twists in our life. And and here it is. Training for greater things often takes place in lesser things, and it's often a test. It's often a test. In Genesis 41, uh, the the next chapter, Joseph is actually, he he interprets the baker's dream, he interprets uh, the cupbearer's dream, Exactly his interpretation is exactly what happens to each one of those men. And and I won't give too much of that story away. You can read it for yourself. But he actually tells one of them, he says, when when you're restored back to Pharaoh, remember me. Remember me. Put in a good word for me. And as circumstances would have it, he forgets. He forgets to put in a good word for Pharaoh. To, to Pharaoh. In Genesis 41, though Joseph is actually elevated to the palace, and, he, and uh, be, because of a circumstance we're going to look at in just a second, and, and becomes the second most powerful person in the world. And here's the thing God had been developing him for that position the whole time he was in prison, nothing was wasted. So he went, think about this for a minute. He went from a pit that his brothers threw him into, beat him up, bloodied him, left him naked, sold him into slavery, to the second most powerful person on the planet. Because Pharaoh was the most powerful person, the king of Egypt at that time. God was using the pit. God was using the prison to prepare him for the palace. And it's the same in your life. And it's the same in my life as well. Nothing is wasted. Let me put it this way. How you respond to lesser things is a test of how you respond to greater things. How you respond to lesser things is a test for how you respond to greater things. I I remember as a young pastor, uh, uh, the first time I was invited to preach at a conference. I was so excited. It was upstate New York. It was actually at a campground there. And uh, we actually, uh, Susie and I asked our, our, our good friends, Aaron and Karen Johnson, their family to join us. We had our kids, and, and we had these cabins and all. And I preached twice a day for five days, 10 different messages. And, uh, and, and I remember uh, as I was getting into some of the messages that I had prepared, someone actually stood up in the middle of the sermon and said, I don't believe what you're saying. And I was like, what? And like this challenge, like, like I, I, I'm getting, you know, like... Uh, heckled from people in, in the audience while I'm preaching. I mean, this is crazy. And, and, 
And, and I remember just trying to navigate that and be gracious, as gracious as I could. And then as soon as that person said, someone else did as well. And it, it began, like, I was like, what in the world is going on? Well, we, we talk about this all the time, like fondly now, uh, with Aaron and Karen Johnson. It was just quite this experience with the Williamson family and the Johnson family. But that was the first time I was ever a guest speaker uh, anywhere as a pastor. And, and since then, I've had a, a lot of other opportunities and all. I, I wonder, though, what would have happened if, if I'd have blown that small opportunity with just like 50 or 60 people. I, I, something inside of me, just knowing God's word, I never would have been invited anywhere else. I was faced with some real adversity. I've never had that happen since there's someone just stand up and start heckling me in the middle of a message. And, and I, I've preached in front of thousands of people at a single time, you know. I don't think that would have happened, large crowds, if I didn't handle the small crowd in a gracious and a loving way. Because I just recognize this point, and, and I hope you do too, you know, how you respond to lesser things is a test of how you respond to greater things. And, and here's the thing, if we don't respond well to the test, we'll have to repeat the test over and over and over and over. Sometimes in our life, if it seems like it's just the same thing happening over and over and over again, it's because we haven't passed the test of the character that God wants to form in my life, in your life. And so we just, all right, we're just gonna go around the track one more time until they get it right. So what, what dump or dive are you in right now and, and you think it's insignificant, but the reality is it's not insignificant to God. Joseph's time in prison was not insignificant to God. It was not wasted time. Joseph's time in the pit in slavery, it was not wasted time. It was significant to God. In fact, Jesus, fast forward to the New Testament, Jesus puts it this way, Luke chapter 16, verse 10, and, and, and he says, if you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest in great responsibilities. Great responsibilities. He's faithful and little will be given more. That God tests us, and, and you know what? There's nothing wrong with, with, with parents testing your kids to see if they're gonna be responsible in little faithful things like this, making the bed. Just making the bed in the morning. Just, just amazing how if you're faithful with little things, you'll be given more responsibility. You'll be given more freedoms. A parent to a child, a, and it, an employer to employees. Just here's a little something. Just let's see how you do with this. This past week, Susie and I had an opportunity to do a little bit of training with some young leaders in Tarospel Church. Uh, we had a Zoom call with about 15 or 16 uh, young people in their 20s or so. And they were asking about some of these ways of how do you train leaders. And, and one of the ways that I shared was like, give them something little and give them something little behind the scenes. And, and just see if they're okay behind the scenes because that shows that they have character. But, but if they're not okay doing the little task, the, the, the little responsibility behind the scenes, you can't trust them to be on the stage. Where would you get an idea like that from? Oh, Jesus. That's where. Jesus said, if you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest and greater things. See, God is a God of process. 
every oak tree started with an acorn. Every oak tree started with an acorn. They all start small. Faithful in the little things. God uses seasons in our life to train us, but he also uses seasons in our life, even difficult seasons, to test us. When, when, think about it for a minute. You know, so many times like, well, my, my heart is right. I know my heart is fine. If you go to the doctor and you tell him, listen, doc, uh, my heart's fine. No, you know, there's no problem with it. What is it gonna do? Okay, well, what do I, I wanna run through some tests. And what does he do? Let's, let's put you on a treadmill, a little stress test, and you're running with everything you got, and it goes faster, faster, running. He tests to see what the condition of your heart is. It's the same way with God. God will allow the temperature to go up. God will allow stress and pressure and, and all kinds of things to come into our lives, what? To test our heart to see what's really inside of our heart. He did that with Joseph, and he still does that with you and me all the time. In fact, the Bible puts it this way, the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can trust it? The reality is I can't even trust what's really in my heart. I can't trust the condition of my heart until pressure comes, until stress comes, until difficulty and challenges and problems come. That's what really shows was deep inside of my heart. Let me put it this way. The last couple of years, 2020, 2021, man, it's revealed an awful lot of people's hearts, hasn't it? If you're a person, a leader of people, manage people, you lead people, you know what? The last two years, it's been a gift from God. You, you've probably seen people that you never thought were gonna step up. They've stepped up over the last two years. And you've probably seen people that you're counting on step back and fade away because of what was in their heart. See, you don't know what's in a person's heart till the pressure comes, till the stress comes, till the trial comes, till the test comes. That's exactly what was happening in the life of Joseph, and that's exactly what happens in your life and my life. C.S. Lewis put it this way. I love that Christian author. He said, hardships often prepares an ordinary person for an extraordinary destiny. Hardships often prepares an ordinary person for an extraordinary destiny. That's what God was doing in Joseph's life. That's what God is doing in your life right now if you're experiencing a, a plot twist. That's what he's doing in my life when I walk through a plot twist. And, and here's, here's the third and the final point to navigate plot twists in life. The length of the plot twist, watch this now, so important. The length of the plot twist is often determined by the speed at which we grow. And here's the thing. You and I determine the speed at which we grow. That's my responsibility. That's your responsibility. The speed at which we grow. God is not going to do that for us. That's my personal responsibility. That's your personal responsibility. We determine the speed at which we grow. Now, think about this. In Genesis 41, let's look at the first part of that verse. Genesis 41, it said, when two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. So, so think about this for just a minute. Joseph's first plot twist, when he is you know, beaten up, bloodied, stripped naked by his brothers, thrown into a pit, and and a slave, most scholars believe that first plot twist from the pit 
into slavery was about 10 to 11 years. That was the first plot twist. This plot twist was two years he was in prison. It was supposed to be a life sentence. Two years he was in prison. All of a sudden, you see, he's growing faster. He's recognizing this different lens, God's lens, God's, God's viewpoint, his perspective on circumstances, and the plot twist, first one was over a decade, second one is only two years. We determine how long the plot twist lasts, oftentimes, because we determine the speed at which we grow. So Pharaoh has a dream, and, and no one can interpret the dream. And at that point, one of those fellows that was in prison with Joseph says, you know, I know a guy, he interpreted a dream for me. There's this guy in prison named Joseph. Pharaoh, he can interpret the dream for you. And so Pharaoh says, bring him in. And so in Genesis 41, verse 16, uh, he actually, Pharaoh tells him, you know, what, what the dream, he goes, I heard you can, you can uh, interpret dreams. I need you to interpret this dream. And listen to what, how Joseph, this is so key, listen to how Joseph responds to this. It says, Genesis 41, 16, Joseph says, I cannot do it. Man, what a change from the arrogant, entitled attitude of a 17-year-old. Joseph now says, because of all the plot twists in his life, I cannot do it. Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Do you hear the character? Do you hear the maturity that's been formed? First plot twist, 10 to 11 years. Second plot twist, two years. And now, when Pharaoh says, I've heard you can interpret dreams. No, I can't. Humility. Seeing it from God's perspective. No longer this entitled attitude, the world owes me. Aware of others around him. Why are you dejected? Why are you downcast to the baker and the cupbearer? And he says, I mean, this is the big moment here. This is the moment. This is like the interview right here for is he going to get the job or not. And what he says is an answer to Pharaoh, I, I, I can't interpret dreams. But God can. God is the one. God can do it. See, God will bring us to our destiny, won't bring us to our destiny until he knows that we're ready to handle our destiny because he doesn't want us to fail. And, and so when we are mature, when we are strong emotionally, spiritually, financially, mentally, then God will promote us and put us where he's purposed us to be all along. See, so much of life, these plot twists, God are using all of these things, working in the midst of all these things because he does want to bring you to the purpose you were created for and the place that he's prepared for you. But he doesn't want to promote you prematurely and then watch you fail. What a great lesson for us to learn from the life of Joseph. God will not bring us to our destiny until he knows that we're ready for it. And that's emotionally, spiritually, financially, 
and mentally. Wise, wise words that Joseph says, it's not me. I'm not the one that can interpret dreams. I cannot, but God, he can. And so let me ask you a question today. Are you growing through your current plot twist or are you grumbling through your current plot twist? Are you growing through it or are you grumbling through it? Here's the thing. If you're grumbling through it, guess what? It may end. You'll face another one. You'll face another one because God wants us to grow through the plot twists. You can either go through a plot twist or you can grow through a plot twist. And the growth depends on you. The growth depends on me. Or we'll just go through another one and another one and another one. But if we grow through it and we allow God to shape and form our character to become more like the character of Jesus Christ, then he'll promote us. It's a powerful story. I I love this story. I'm glad we have two more weeks in this series uh, about plot twists with Joseph. Before I end in prayer, I just want to talk to three, three groups of people just to make this really, really practical. First of all, I, I just want to, if you're single and, and, and you, you have in your heart that you want to be married, that God would bring that spouse into your life, and you find yourself like right now, you never thought you'd be single at this time in your life. What, what do you do? What, you know, why this plot twist? I didn't see my life. I didn't see singleness at this point in my life. Let me just say this. The goal, if I could encourage you, the, the goal right now is not to find a spouse. The goal right now is to grow in your faith in Christ not to find someone but to allow your faith to be stronger than ever the bible says he who finds a wife finds a good thing and i think that goes for if you're a woman he who finds a husband she who finds a husband finds a good thing the whole idea there is they're not looking for anything with you know two legs and 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 a male name and a cross around their neck that's not what it's talking about It's talking about as they're pursuing the purpose of God, God brings that right person into their path. Not that they're looking around for for anyone, but as they're pursuing the purpose, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. It's almost like stumbles upon, not, not, you know, on the prowl, but stumbles upon. And, And so if you're single, the goal, I'd encourage you, is to grow in your faith, not to find that, that someone that God has for you. They'll come at the right time. Right now, you just grow. You, you, you be the answer to someone else's prayer because of your faith in Jesus Christ. When God brings that person into your life and they have a matching deep faith in Jesus Christ. If you're married, let me just, put the, let me just talk to those that are married. If you're married, Stop fighting with each other and start fighting for each other. Start fighting to see life from your spouse's perspective. Try to put yourself in there. Try to understand how they see life, how they see what's going on in the home, how they see the future, your future together. Stop fighting with each other. Start fighting for one another. 
fighting to see the perspective of your spouse. It's amazing if you just put forth, just turn the lens, look through the lens, try to look through the lens of your spouse. It's amazing how much conflict will just begin to really, really settle down. And you'll begin to see things a lot more in common in the same way. But, but you've got to fight for your spouse. Fight for your spouse's perspective to learn and to understand that. Maybe your uh, third group I want to talk to, maybe, maybe you're in your career right now and, uh, and, and you've gotten passed over for that promotion. You feel like you should be further along in, in your job, in your career, in your field uh, than y- you are right now. Listen, don't be jealous. Don't, don't be envious. Don't, don't, don't look to jump ship. Be faithful right where you are because right where you are right now is paving the pathway to the destiny you were designed for. He who is faithful in little things will be given more responsibilities, great responsibilities. Show yourself faithful right where you are right now, just like Joseph did in Potiphar's house, just like he did in prison, and just like he did in the palace. Faithful and little will be entrusted. Stop comparing and start preparing for the next step that God has for you because he's working in the plot twist to bring about his perfect plan and purpose. I'm gonna ask right now, would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for how practical your word is. Lord, whether we're single, whether we're married, whether we're... uh, in a career that we think should be further along. And God, we just pray you continue to speak to us, Lord, even in these plot twists, that we would apply ourselves to be faithful right where we are, just like Joseph did. And Lord, we allow Christ's character to be formed in our lives, even in the midst of difficulties and challenges that we face, that are really we'd recognize from your perspective that you're preparing us for the purpose and plan that you've prepared for us. Thank you, Father, that we can trust you as you're working in our lives, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.